and welcome to another mini-sode of the Investigation Game. This week I'm with Justin Burns and he's going to tell us about one of his favorite cases ever. So Justin, before we start the timer, I'd love you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Like I said, my name is Justin Burns. I work with Berman Hopkins, Wright and Laham CPAs. I'm a licensed CPA and certified fraud examiner. I work mainly on financial statement audits as well as fraud and forensic engagements. I have an incredible wife who's about to begin her postdoc fellowship in clinical psychology. Unfortunately, whenever she was getting into psychology, I couldn't get her to go into forensics. So ah. clinical psychology it is. <laughs> Maybe later in life. So All starting right. the timer now, my first question is, Tell us about your case. And just so our listeners know, Justin has changed the names and the locations of everybody in this case. So no worry about putting anybody out there. I started working at this nonprofit fall semester of my master's year. I got brought on as full-time after I finished my master's program. I still wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do in the accounting world. So I waited a little while before I started sitting for my CPA exams. We're a small nonprofit do about $6 million a year from a combination of state funding and grant funding. Did a lot of business development and workforce development, things like that, to boost the economy of our state. Most of this $6 million passed through to other entities. We're supposed to find viable entities and companies to, to move this money onto. We were small. Our entire office consisted of 15 people with just two of us in the accounting slash finance department. It was just me who had been an intern and then our CFO, Aaron. In my position, I mainly worked on, you know, internal financial reporting, tracking the budgets for these grants or helping grant managers put together budgets for proposals for new grants. You know, I would do a little bit of entering time cards for payroll, uh, entering bills for the AP process. You know, we didn't outsource anything like payroll or any of that stuff. That was all in-house. And our CFO said, you know, the stuff that's really going to get you the best experience is the grant stuff, the budget tracking, you know, that stuff. I'll take care of the boring day-to-day -day stuff. You just focus on the, the budgets and things like that. You know, and I was also guaranteed to just have a 40-hour week in a relaxed environment. Started there in November of 2010 and September of 2013. We had just switched to a new audit firm, and I know that our CFO, Aaron, she had gotten to know the, the old auditors. She was friends with the partner there, you know, because there there'd been a long-time relationship there. She was upset about moving to this new audit firm. Is that where things kind of started to unravel? So the first week of September, our audit begins, and it was a lot different than our last one. I'd been there for two previous audits and they're both pretty easy. The firm that we were with would send like one person, we'd put them in an empty office and they'd sit there for a week. They'd occasionally ask me to like pull an invoice from a file and that was it. Like they never really talked to me. They mainly just dealt with Aaron. So that was, that was my experience with the audit. To that point I was like, yeah, all right. Seems pretty relaxed, kind of strange. And then these new auditors took over and there was two of them and they were asking a lot of questions. They were really trying to get a handle on our processes. They were really trying to get a handle on just what we do, which is 
what they were supposed to be doing. They were they were actually auditing, and it was nice, you know, because I'd never really been asked those questions before, and never really been exposed to somebody who was actually auditing us. We're in the second week. I had to like run an errand at lunchtime, so I go out to to pick up something, and I, I was like, okay, I got to make this quick so I can get back because the auditors are gonna need something, I'm sure. So I swung through Burger King <laughs> and I get back to the office and take my food back to my desk. I sit down and I like take it out and Aaron comes by my office and she's like, they, they need to see you in the conference room. And I'm thinking they, the two auditors, yeah. like, can I just eat really quick and, <laughs> and then I'll go in and talk to them. Usually I wouldn't keep them waiting, but Burger King's not good warm. <laughs> it's especially bad when it gets cold. Uh, <laughs> So I'm like, she's like, uh, sure. She looks kind of flustered. She comes back in and she's like, yeah, they said that's fine. She kind of started to cry a little bit. What's going on? She's like, they're going to talk to you about some stuff. I just want you to know that, yeah, I did it, but I didn't take as much as they said I took. Oh, gosh. What now? She just said like, yeah, um, go ahead, finish your lunch, and then go talk to them. And then... <laughs> And then, like, somebody that I didn't know, like, came behind her. Like, he's like, hey, come with me. And, like, grabs Aaron, and they head off, like, back towards her office. So I go in the conference room, and there's six people I've never seen before, all in suits. I'm like, oh, this was not just a couple of auditors that I held up while I scarfed down a, a cheap <laughs> burger. Like, oh, no, what have I done? And I'm pretty sure one of them said something like, would you have a good lunch? Oh, my gosh. Like you were going to know what you were walking into. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, honestly, no, I didn't because I hurt. <laughs> of course I didn't have a, that decision. Turns out it's some lawyers, and FBI agents, because again, we had grant funding from the federal government. So FBI agents, a couple people from our accounting firm, one of them being the, the partner over our audit engagement partner comes in and he was super nice about this whole thing in what he knew was a tense situation. He just kind of sat me down and they're like, okay, this is what happened. She's been stealing money. We don't know exactly how much. We don't know exactly how. We don't know how long it's been going on for. But by the time you leave this room with us, she's going to be out of the building. And you guys do everything in-house. Like I said, like we didn't outsource any payroll or AP or anything like that like so we need to know right now what do you know how to do and what do you not know how to do to be able to keep you guys running on a day-to-day basis I'm like oof yeah I don't know how to actually cut paychecks she was cutting these checks to herself she didn't Mm -hmm. want that to be my responsibility to possibly see these things kind of gives me this rundown he's like you know um We know you didn't have anything to do with it, but tomorrow you're going to go up to the FBI offices uh, here. And he's like, you're going to sit down and you're going to talk with them. And Tom, who's the CEO, he's going to go with you. And uh, Anna, who works the front desk and opens the mail, like she's, she's going to go too. So you three are going to go up there and, and talk to them. So the next day we, we go up to the FBI offices. I talk to them for two hours. We have the lawyer for our company is in there with us who he had actually been a former FBI agent and prosecutor with the U.S. Attorney's Office. And uh, he comes in there with us. We're like, look, 
we know he didn't have anything to do with this. We're just talking to, to get information on like things he might've seen, things like that. So we talked for two hours, you know, and they were like, okay, well, we're going to have you help with some of the evidence gathering because apparently her office had like a lot of file cabinets, just jammed with papers. You know, we think maybe she had some stuff in there. So we want you to go through, find anything that you can that might be interesting. I got the help in the case. Yeah. So while you were helping with the case, what were the methods that she was using to steal money that you found? So she would cut checks directly to herself. And it was kind of interesting. She wouldn't just cut a check to herself without any supporting documentation behind it. She would fill out an expense report and attach not a receipt, but a shopping cart that she printed out from either her favorite one seemed to be like CPE websites for her, her CPA license. She'd be like, oh, I'm doing this online CPE course. It's going to cost this much. She'd have the shopping cart for it, do an expense report for it, but she never actually purchased it. And she'd cut an expense report check to herself. And that way she could have that expense report just laying around in case somebody asked for it. She could pull it out and say like, oh, yeah, this is what I, what I bought. We went back and looked at it. And if she actually did all the CPE that she built for, she would have done like a thousand hours of CPE or something like that when you only need like 40 a year. Oh my gosh. Another, and this one was the biggie. We had company American Express cards for the project managers. And she had access to like an admin one if she needed to you know, buy supplies or, or something like that. She had access to that. But then she took out another American Express card under the company's name and had the bills sent to her house instead of to our company. And she would just pay off all of the, the manager's credit cards for the company in like one big lump transfer to Amex and include her, what became a personal one in there. And I found these, these credit card statements for this one. And I'm like, this card number doesn't make any sense. Like the address is for her house. Mm-hmm. But whenever I add up the card for, let's say like uh, August, this amount's definitely in there. The amount that we paid on the bank statements is in there. And she used this thing for strictly personal use. I mean, she took her family on a Disney cruise on this card and the company paid for it. Oh my gosh. And then she would double dip. She would buy something on that credit card, claim it was a business expense, do an expense report on it and get reimbursed for it. But then also she wasn't paying the credit card bill for that one. So she would just double dip for it and claim it was, you know, like, oh, she went to Walmart for supplies that she bought for the company. But when you go back and look at it, the charge was, this, this is a real one. The charge was, the day before Thanksgiving, she apparently went to Walmart and bought a bunch of supplies. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, what was the end result of this investigation? So our, our audit firm, you know, we had to do a, a forensic engagement with them. They only looked at three years. And then I looked into it for as far back as I could go with it and find mm-hmm. records for it. It ended up being seven years worth, worth of theft which if you look at it, she started stealing money at the same time that the old audit firm started auditing us. So we suspected that there were a tie-in there. She'd maxed out our $400,000 line of credit. She had drawn uh, some of our grant money down early. This was grant funding that was spoken for by other organizations that we 
had to fund from somewhere else. Looking at the victim impact statement that we did, it ended up being around $850,000 over the course of seven years. And I think she pled guilty to around like 630. You know, in our reports, it was, this is definitely fraud. These are maybe charges. You know, we couldn't get an itemized receipt for it, but maybe this Walmart charge is legit. You bought supplies. Maybe it's, maybe it's not. So we could have sat there in court and argued over those maybe charges to get another you know, 220 grand tacked onto it. But she ended up just pleading guilty to the, the 630 that we knew for sure. Jeez. So what ended up happening with the organization? We had to pull out a bunch of tricks just to kind of survive. Yeah. Um, it maxed out our line of credit, uh, you know, pulled some grant money. Our CEO, Tom, he stepped up and decided, you know, like that December, he said, you know, don't pay me my salary, <laughs> which, which was big because he had two kids under the age of five. And we're talking about in December around Christmas time. And he's like, just, we need to make sure everybody else in the building is getting paid. Mm-hmm. I could go without it for a month. Yeah, it was it was really tight there. We were able to to move to another bank and get a small line of credit from them to kind of help us make it to our next year when mm-hmm. our our new grants and new state allocation funding would kick in. But I checked in with Tom for the research for doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. He sent me a bunch of documents from the forensic audit report, things like that. Companies still going strong. They're doing well. They recovered from this you know they they got lucky and and made it I stuck around for a couple years you know finished up my exams you know moved into the controller position mm-hmm. tore down our system of internal controls because they apparently weren't working mm-hmm. uh, and rebuilt them back up you know she got sentenced to one year which I think she ended up doing three months in like a minimum security prison three months in a halfway house and the remaining six months from home arrest. Wow. She's paying restitution, having her paychecks garnished. She got a job through some people she went to church with and talking to Tom, he said she should make full restitution sometime in like 40 years or something like that. So. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, she did take a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's so great to know that they're still in business and they're still doing well. And, you know, it, it worked out so well for them, but geez. Massive amount of loss. Yeah. This was somebody that they trusted. We were part of the state's budget. So every year, whenever the state came out with their new budget, we had to look and see like, okay, how much did we get? Mm-hmm. And there was one year that you know, funding got cut by like 1.5 to just uh, half a million dollars. So we lost a million dollars. And so we had to redo our internal budgets, you know, looking towards next year. We, we had to cut some people. And I remember being super upset that people were having to get cut. You know, she was friends with these people and they were losing their jobs. And then looking at it, she stole more that next year than she did the year before that. But she was the one raising such a stink about having to cut, you know, these people who, who yeah. she cared. About. But if the previous year she stole 150 grand, the year after our funding got cut, she stole 180. Oh my gosh. This case was in such an early point of your career. How do you feel it shaped the way you decided to carry on with the rest of your career moving forward? Got my master's in accounting and I was still just like, 
I don't really know what I want to do in the accounting industry because I'm at this old nonprofit, which the theme for my position was they'd get somebody in college, bring them on full time. They'd eventually get their CPA license. Then they couldn't afford to hold on to them. There's really no room for advancement. And then that person would just leave and they'd get another person in that spot. I knew my career wasn't going to stay there after I was done. And I was kind of panicking because I'm like, I've gone through a, a lot of education and student loans to get to this point, And I still don't know if I even want to be in this industry. And then this fraud happened and I'm like, oh, I do want to be here. This is what I want to do. One particular moment where it just kind of clicked for me. I was tearing through stuff in Aaron's office. I'd had the door closed. I'd been in there for like a week. There's papers everywhere. It's like a bomb had gone off. And I think this was when I found the credit card. And I called the CEO. I'm like, Tom, I, I found something, something big. Like, you got to come look at this. And he comes into her office and I'm telling him, look what I found. She did this. She took her family, that Disney cruise she took. It's all one here. We ended up paying for it. And I'm, I'm talking a thousand miles an hour. And then I look over at him and like, he's just staring at one of her family photos that's still on the wall. Like he's not listening to anything I'm saying right now. And he just says, you know, her daughters were the flower girls at my wedding. He completely trusted this woman. They'd worked together for 10 years and he just felt terrible. He, like he knew the company that he worked for and loved for over a decade was potentially all going to collapse. Yeah. He knew that he'd been betrayed by me. And I just saw how he felt in that moment. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to help people who are feeling like him right now. And I want to keep people from having to feel like that. This is why I need to be in accounting. This is what I want to do. That's a beautiful result to a crazy and terrible fraud story. I was lucky to kind of have that light bulb moment in the middle of what was absolutely a tragedy. I mean, there was definitely times where we were like, I don't think we're going to make it. Like we're going to have, like, we're all going to lose our jobs. We're going to have to shut our doors. It's so rare that we get to hear the end result to a fraud story. And it's so beautiful that the company got back on its feet and you were able to help them out and it shaped to what you are now. I think that is so amazing. The company survived. A lot of the people that I worked with then are still there. They still have jobs. You know, they're still helping the community in the goal of this nonprofit. Um, you know, and they're doing some really great work. It was dark for a little while, but it ended up, ended up well. I'm glad. Well, Justin, thank you so much for being on our episode. Oh, thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this week's mini-sode and want to learn more about the story, visit our blog page on our Workman Forensic site, where Justin Burns has written the full story, plus a few extra details, minus all the thunder. The Investigation Game is brought to you by Workman Forensics. For more information on the business and its services, visit workmanforensics.com. Find us on social media on any social media platform at Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or topic ideas, please email us at podcast at Thanks for listening.